there, Ruby fans. Welcome to another episode of Ruby Redux here on Rooster Team Radio. Today we are talking about Volume 8, Episode 13, Worthy. And that's just how I'm going to introduce all Ruby episode titles from now on. You have to get like real gravelly with it. But guys, I have a wonderful group of people here to talk to you guys about this episode. Let me go ahead and introduce them. Joining us tonight is the wonderful Katie Cullen. I feel like to say worthy, you have to do it in that Chris Sabat growl now, because that's stuck in our heads. There has to be a sense of gravitas to it. Absolutely. Also joining us is the lovely Stacey Shuttleworth. Yes, yes, I'm here, but but at what cost? <laughs> oh, oh, at what cost? Why? One sanity, generally. <laughs> Fair. And also joining us is the fantastic Mark Bidonica. Over the week, I went to Ikea, I found a railing, I have attached it to my desk, and I have handcuffed myself to the railing. <laughs> Do you think it'll help? God, I hope so. Let's just... It's going to keep you from going anywhere, though. That's a part of the It's going to keep me from falling. From your desk. Yeah, correct. Is your desk over a chasm? Look, the landscaping in Florida is weird. Yeah, I'll buy it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Megan Salinas. And guys, we have a, to um, paraphrase one Eddie Rivas, we have a doozy of an episode (laughs) to talk about. (laughs) You have invoked his name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. What a doozy. Okay, so (laughs) we're going to talk about it. So uh, please step into our humble abode and let's talk about this week's episode of Ruby. We've installed railings on the spiral staircase. It's fine. Uh, yep. No safety regu- uh, no safety violations here. I almost said no safety regulations, and if I'm being honest, that's probably more accurate. True. Now that's the love loft. <laughs> <laughs> no safety, uh, just shipping? What the hell? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I mean, one, put that on a shirt. <laughs> Two... Have you seen fandom? Not even just Ruby fandom, just like fandom in general. We don't have enough time to unpack all of that. <laughs> Thank you, John Mulaney. Ugh. No, no, we don't. Um, guys, so yeah, just let's let's get started. What do we think of this week's episode? I don't know about you guys, but like I thought this was uh, you know kind of a fillery episode you know not a lot happened in fact we could probably just skip talking about it all together and like um you know just talk about the finale next week i mean i already talked about it in therapy so i'm fine with that <laughs> i have no notes <laughs> just a blank page <laughs> and a blank brain <laughs> brain empty can confirm <laughs> stacy <laughs> very empty i will say for my reaction that i have been asked not to scream and i have also been informed by fans that they look forward to my screams and i do give the fans what they want so oh i thought you were gonna make him go to patreon for that (laughs) patreon is my own little thing that's what i mean yeah there's a lot of yelling during the reaction send him to where the money is baby want to see me scream you can pay me hey. <laughs> look mm. 
Got to get that work where you can, man. Dude, yeah, okay. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's the year of our Lord 2020 DLC edition. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, so yeah, overall overall thoughts. Uh, let's start with Mark. <laughs> um, there's, there's way... It's one of those things where looking back and i had a, i had a couple of people like ping me in between the episode airing and them listening or watching and listening like oh god i can't believe you were right about that like i don't like being right about this stuff i really don't but it's just sort of that thing of if we're following the narrative beat there is something here that is going to fulfill this role something here that's going to fulfill this role and and i like I legitimately do mean like I don't have any notes because so much of this is, has been living rent free in my brain since Saturday. And that is a, that's an achievement I think of for, for a show where it's like, Oh, we have to take notes and we have to talk about this and we have to do this. I can remember the beats of this episode so well, fortunately and unfortunately, and uh, I can't wait to to talk about the the nitty gritty and the really weird and sad sort of uh, predictions that I do have. <laughs> and we can't wait to hear them. Stacy, how about you? You know, there were a lot of things to scream about in this episode. And for some reason, I am so fixated on the absolute horror that flashed through my entire body when Nora and Jean threw themselves off of the platforms <laughs> to go start spreading the word. Oh my god, no one told them about the falling thing. They don't know. <laughs> yeah, they sort of missed that memo, didn't they? There's things ramp up. I've watched this episode multiple times at this point and that is still like the first thing that I, I fall back on. Hey. It's going to keep happening, isn't it? I don't I was going to say Katie, I don't think she meant that as a joke. No, she I won't confident. take it as one. But that's the thing like Stacy, she she seems so confident about it that I wasn't necessarily inherently worried about it. She's like, "No, I got this. Whatever." <laughs> it's not the first time my weapon has been a crotch rocket and it won't be the last. Yeah, um I am actually the exact opposite of Mark, not in that I have notes, but in that I immediately cash dumped this entire episode and it was a little bit like watching it new when we reviewed it because it didn't help that every piece of media I consumed within the 48 hours leading up to and surrounding this just completely emotionally blindsided me. So that was, and for those of you keeping track at home, that was So I'm a Spider, So What? That was Attack on Titan, and we are way behind, please no spoilers, and Falcon and Winter Soldier, and this. So by the time we got to Ruby, I was already emotionally bodied. And then we watched this episode, and I just kind of went, oh, yay, alrighty, here we are. And I think as a defense mechanism, my brain went, we're just going to forget everything we've seen for the past 48 hours. You can remember your work day, but you're not allowed to remember the media because, oh my God. So this was incredible. And obviously I was very overwhelmed. Um... Yeah, this was a very powerful episode. This was very well structured. And honestly, 
after the rewatch, I think the thing that stuck with me is them playing that like ethereal piano tune from the beginning of Hey Jin, we have a question for you up through the smash cut between entering the door to ops and ops being on fire with everyone either dead or knocked out like that. The juxtaposition of the music against those visuals just hit me. Little teeny pieces of perfection sewn together to make this episode as powerful as it was. And all of this hurt. And all of this was people just causing problems on purpose. We all woke up this morning and chose violence. And it was great. There seems to be at least one episode in every volume of Ruby where once the credits roll, you have to step back and go, okay, that's a thing that happened. <laughs> and um, like, I think in volume six, it was the apathy. Uh, last volume, it was Clover dying. And this, I think it's safe to say for this volume, it's this episode, which is really a triumph because this has been an entire volume of nail-biting edge-of-your-seat tension for a lot of things. And this episode did an excellent job of taking so many of those different building blocks and, you know, all those and all those different story beats and making them pay off. Um, see, making Cinder more of a threat than she's ever been in the past, because in the past she's, she keeps getting in her own way. And it's, it's, she's finally gotten to the point where she knows what to do in order to actually succeed in what she's trying to do. And so this is the most devastating blow. I think our, our teams have had so far in a, again, in an, in an arc that has not been kind to them. (laughs) So it, it's, it was phenomenal. Yeah. It was, it was devastating in a lot of ways, but like their, the payoff, for so many different things were there. It was it it was remarkable. And uh yeah, if <laughs> this is one of those episodes where I do wish we were all in the same room, sitting around a table, drinking, uh <laughs> drinking out of our ruby shot glasses. Um, because that's the kind of episode it was. It was awesome and heartbreaking and wonderful and i can't wait to watch it again and i can't wait to see what happens next so if i'm drinking a hot toddy off of the like fat grim beowulf coffee mug does that count yes absolutely cheers (laughs) (laughs) okay so we start off with team uh with jean i keep wanting to say team juniper but like it counts uh, all right. <laughs> we start off with Team Juniper, uh, like the getting cut off on their message and the portal opening up behind them. And that's when they decide to test the portal because they're not even sure if it works. And they haven't been getting any information from Ruby because Watts has cut communications. And so they test it out. You know, credit where credit is, is due. Jean trying it out first. Way to go, team leader. That's awesome. <laughs> and it is trippy going through that portal. Um, but they go through and they they immediately see, okay, here's here's where everybody needs to go, and they divide and conquer to start the evacuation. 
and the evac starts and everything seems to be going okay. The only downside is that there's a sandstorm on the vacua side of things, which is also cutting off communication. Not a good thing. But as the evacuation is really getting underway, um, Cinder decides to cause some problems. And boom goes the dynamite. And alongside several bystanders who immediately fall. Um, I think one of the most like nail-biting things about this episode was seeing that happen almost immediately and then being like, oh God, no, it's the worst case scenario already. Shit, 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 shit. Um, and so a fight starts breaking out and all sorts of chaos happens. Guys, what did we think of, uh, but b- before like we really get into the nitty gritty of the fight, we go back and we see the steps that Cinder took to lead up to this takedown. And what were our thoughts on seeing Cinder act with a bit of humility, first and foremost, by apologizing to Neo? Let's start with Katie. I want to talk about John. Okay. <laughs> I want to talk about Jean being yeeted through the port. I just, it's such a small thing, but I appreciate this scene. I appreciate how it started off and I appreciate that we have, well, comms are down. We're going to have to do this the old fashioned way and go through ourselves and make sure that everyone is able to go. Like, I love the fact that a snag in the plan didn't stop them. And as much as I generally don't like character has motion sickness jokes, like as a running thing, I appreciate that they brought it back just for this. Just that one little like, oh uh, yeah, I have been falling for 30 minutes. Well, heck with anyone. Like, I appreciated how we started all of this off. And I also appreciated that on the receiving end, on the vacuo end, like the one thing that's causing issues is a force of nature. Everything else that's a problem is Cinder waking up and choosing violence. But the one thing that's a problem on the receiving end is it's a sandstorm. There's nothing they could have done about that. And I love that it's just this cosmic snag in their plans and they're just doing their best. So I appreciate this opening bit a lot. Stacey, what did you think about the opening? I appreciate how we still get the callbacks of, well, what do we do now? But instead of our team looking at each other and really feeling out of their depth and not knowing how to proceed, they immediately jump into action and have a game plan. They work together to do what needs to be done, and they don't hesitate in a way that they used to. So seeing that growth kind of culminate in this moment was very exciting. Um, And we got a few fun little gags and moments of them just almost joyfully jumping into this new role before everything went to hell. Jean getting hit in the face with a rock by an NPC who I swear is just alternate universe Leonard Church. Your baby, stop hitting Jean with things. (laughs) It was so goddamn funny, though. Granted, yes, it was. (laughs) (laughs) We laughed. It's fine. (laughs) Mark, what did you think about Juniper at the top of the episode? Man... Like like everybody else was saying, we gotta leave John alone. But we gotta give get those moments of levity because we've had so many. I mean, John's John's had some bad stuff, but also 
we we got to remember that he is i mean he's one of our protagonists so we have to have some levity he is the butt of a variety of jokes but he he takes it in stride so like i i thought the whole stuff with team juniper up top i uh, thinking about it now is it the last time that they're going to be together for a while because we still don't know how this ends and we've seen part of a team go <laughs> but with everything still up in the air this is that weird nebulous week of we don't know what's going to happen and and it was this last like team moment of like proper teamwork the last time that we're going to see all of these people together for a long time or the last time they're going to see each other together for a long time so it's <laughs> it's hard to look knowing where all of this ends up and be like oh, this is fun because it was but also like there's a sad around <laughs> <laughs> well it's um it's it's one of those things where um again because the last episode went off so well that things happened went went so swimmingly that the lighter moments of this opening actually work to build up the tension even more so like we can sit here and laugh at um at the comedic bits but also uh, and, and laugh at like people in atlas and you know just like hiding behind a set of staircases like waiting to see what happens with the teleporters like we can laugh at all that while also knowing deep inside <laughs> just because we know how stories work um that things are not going to go well that it's only a matter of time and it's gonna happen very soon um so yeah this all the stuff with juniper was was really well done and yeah i have to concur seeing them all leap into action immediately was fantastic um yeah okay but yeah like i said uh doesn't take long for things to go to hell. Uh, Cinder sets off a bomb, sends several civilians crashing down into the horrifying unknown, and all hell starts to break loose. And then, then we go back and we get to to see the lead up to this, and it's act- it's a very very surprising lead up to it because Cinder actually seems to have taken Watts's words to heart and is acting with humility. Uh, and yeah, so let's let's start off with the first scene with her and Neo. What did we think of her having to actually apologize in order to get what she wants? Uh, let's start with Stacy. I think she learned from a pretty powerful teacher how to hold her tongue when necessary and say sweet things to get people back on your side. Sounds like Cinder is getting a little better at manipulating and i'm not entirely sure she really wanted to make nice with neo there (laughs) but it sure worked yeah it seems to mark what do you think it's i wonder if it's actual humility you know i wonder if she's i i stacy when you refer to having a good teacher do you do you mean salem yes i think she's learning from ruby I think she she took what it she's understanding what it takes to be 
a team leader from a person who can, from her perspective, can run a team pretty well and pretty responsibly and may try to start, maybe not taking on those tactics and actually using them, but seeing them as tactics and enacting them of, ah, compassion. I will use the power of compassion. Does that make sense? Like not actually being compassionate, but using compassion. Mm-hmm. So so that's sort of a way of still being emotionally manipulative, but not, but a lot less transparent about it. The power of fake it till you make it. That sort of a thing, but she'll, she'll never make it. <laughs> <laughs> She's made it pretty well so far. I feel like there is a reason that this episode is entitled Worthy, and with all of the things that we see Cinder do, this is pretty much it. That she, I I think Megan's right, that she's taken what Watts has said to heart, and I think that Mark is right, and that she is absolutely mimicking tactics and not actually feeling them. But yeah, knowing that an apology is what Neo would probably want to hear and being willing to be humble for a little bit to get what she wants, being willing to think things out, to work with Watts, whom I'm sure she does not like and whom I am sure she's going to let him die. It's like, just going to pin that one to the wall there. Uh, Watts is going to die and it's going to be Cinder's doing. But yeah, just seeing her do this and seeing her take a completely different thoughtful tack is so new that it's honestly terrifying. Like we know she's powerful, but the fact that she's coming around to being clever as well and not, I think I'm clever and I'm going to do a thing that I think is clever and screw us all. But like actually starting to learn how to play four dimensional chess is scary. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I really do hope they manage to take her down before she can take this knowledge and experience and run with it. Um, because, yeah, the, the idea of Cinder... I mean, she's always had a bit of cleverness to her. Like, I don't think she would have survived for this long if um, she hadn't. But, like... She keeps getting in her own way so much. So to see her finally check her own ego and, you know, force herself to be like, hey, what do we what do I need to do to stop (laughs) to stop getting in my own way Um, and to actually think things through from point A to point B? Yeah, it's it's unnerving because it's like, oh, no, now now this person with all this power is also thinking about the consequences of their actions, um, but not not in a responsible way, in that very self-serving way that she has always sought. Um, but yeah, it wh- whether or not she means anything, she feels any sort of sincerity towards her apology to Neo, it's almost irrelevant because it works. She manages to get the lamp, and she asks Jin the question of what ruby and her friends planning and poor Jin. like this is this is the point in time where Jin should have taken notes from ambrosius and i don't think i'll ever say that again of like (laughs) oh well you want to know what they've planned for the holidays sure let let, we'll go ahead and talk about that but nope 
they they see the whole plan from A to B. And the thing that seems to stick out to Cinder is the fact that Emerald is there. And it's a bit of a surprise. Um, and right now, Emerald is on the vacuo side of things. So she can't jump into the fray with Cinder right now. But what do we think is going to happen now that Cinder knows that she's, uh, that Mer- <laughs> that Mercury has changed wow. sides? No, no, that wow. Emerald has switched sides. Let's start with Mark. <laughs> well, first of all, let me, let me just do a quick, all right, I've reset the counter. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think it's probably going to be a while before they actually see each other. I don't think emerald i had to stop and (laughs) access my brain to make sure that i said emerald um i think that emerald emerald isn't gonna find out at least so so for for my theory i don't feel like i don't i i don't feel like cinder is going to like confront or actually see emerald i think she's gonna look for her but i don't know if I don't know if Cinder's going to make it out of the other portal still. Um, if she does, I think Emerald will be like a magnet for her. And that will be the first the first person who has to submit to my wrath sort of a thing. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, it's interesting to think of like, what if this is the last time that Cinder actually sees Emerald? Um, you know, if she doesn't make it out of this season. So yeah, the let and whether or not that knowledge, um, if it ever, if it ever gets to her, if that will bother Emerald in the future, Stacy, what did you think? I do think it's going to have kind of a profound effect on Cinder, whether or not she actively realizes it, seeing kind of one of the first people that you took under your wing, made your minion, had their complete rapt attention, had under your control, before she really finessed her manipulating, before she kind of grew into herself this new power that she's now exhibiting. I would not be surprised if there's some kind of obsessive need to pursue Emerald and try to bring her back into the fold. And with Cinder's personality having that kind of need for control, uh, would not surprise me. I am also kind of skeptical about whether or not they actually will get to reunite, at least anytime soon. But there are definitely a lot of very interesting ways that could go. Uh, That being said, I think uh, Emerald and Mercury now have a better chance of reuniting first and... Who knows, Cinder may lose a second of her lackeys before she ever gets to confront Emerald about it. Yeah, I think that's fair. And in a lot of ways, I think she's already lost Mercury. And I do mean Mercury. (laughs) In this case, both Mercuries. If I just talk about them both, I'll never confuse them. Yeah. Hashtag both Mercuries. Both Mercuries have abandoned Cinder at this point. They just keep multiplying. <laughs> That's his true semblance. Ooh, wait. He doesn't have one anymore. <laughs> or does he? Well, that would have been his semblance. <laughs> yeah, get right. I was going to say, well, yeah, what if his father 
thinks that he took his semblance away, but all he did um, was suppress it for a while. And now it's finally manifested in, and Mercury's semblance is that he can pass his consciousness <laughs> onto other people and create copies of himself. Really jumping through some hoops to justify your uh, <laughs> slip ups here. Yeah, that's a really long way to justify your contagious inability to keep the name straight. What I can't wait for is for next season, one of the characters is going to slip up and call Mercury Emerald or Emerald Mercury. And then that's how we know we did it. We made it. But like your your mind worm has gotten to all of the people on Kruby that listen and they went, well, we got to put it in. <laughs> it's contagious on the other side of the fourth wall megan what have you done oh, no. <laughs> how did this happen <laughs> and everyone who's playing with the bingo board or the drinking game take a shot i haven't made either of those but i'm kind of tempted to now <laughs> anyway Centra square is turbo teen reference <laughs> anyway I loved this. This is awful. I love this. And honestly, the fact that Emerald made it through the portal before any of this shit went down tells me that Cinder is going to live. Because Cinder and Emerald being reunited and having to hash out this change in loyalties is one of those narrative elements. It's, it's a story beat that's too good to pass up. And it would feel like we were missing something or like something had been left on the table if Cinder were to die in this confrontation. So I think that Cinder is getting out of this alive and who knows, maybe she does pick up Watts or yeet him off of Atlas herself. Who knows? Because she can still get out of the other portal. She just can't. The only one way portal is the vacuo one. So she's There's... got an exit strategy. So what we're, I think what I'm saying is she's not making it out the other side. She's going down. Mm. Oh, she's you not, think she's, she's not dying. She's not dying. She's just going to be gone for a while. <laughs> she and Yang can fight yes. it out. Yeah, like the Balrog. <laughs> exactly. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. One of them has fire whips and the other one, I don't know, the hair changes color. <laughs> no, that didn't happen either. I give up. That parallel fell apart on me. Point being, I think this narrative beat has cemented that Cinder will live through this in some capacity. And I don't think we can say that for sure for literally anybody else. Yeah, can I also say that the expression on Jin's face when Cinder asked her that question and just that, oh, oh, I don't want to do this, but it's my damn job. Just that she hates betraying ruby like that but she doesn't have a choice like i loved that well done storyboarders well done animators micro expressions yes yeah it it was rough um but yeah i i like that little bit of characterization for Jin too um yeah it's 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 a little thing but it goes a long way uh and speaking of when they when they finally get through um all of team ruby's planning they decide uh, to go ahead and take down the Atlas Control Center. And what follows is, as Katie was pointing out, a very, very chilling sequence in which they it's, it's very abrupt and it's very dark, but ultimately that it puts Arthur Watts in the position that he's always dreamed of, being able to take down the Kingdom of Atlas at the push of a button. 
Um, and the the way they go about this, it it was so good and so jarring, but also so awesome. And sadly, I think maybe this is the moment in which our bad guys killed Bill. I don't know. It, it it's hard to say. There's no body, so there's no there's no proof of death. But it they were the implication is that Bill, you know, number one dud is dead, and that's, I mean. More like number one dead, am I right? <laughs> out of all the losses, out of all the losses that we've suffered <laughs> this volume, I think this one hits the hardest, don't you guys think? Uh, let's start with Mark. I said my piece. <laughs> <laughs> End of statement. <laughs> Katie, how about you? We rewound this scene so many times to be like, is he there? Do we see a body? Is it confirmed? And you can see him in that first shot. But... After that, nah, fam, it's just the mug. And I would also like to point out, because it took me until the second watch to realize this, and it's fucking disgusting, uh, that whole bit with Watts sitting down at the control panel and picking up an apple, that apple has a blood smear on it that he wipes off on his coat and then takes a bite. Like, <sighs> were you that hungry in prison? Did they not feed you? It's only been a day. I don't know if I've ever heard the expression, were you that hungry in prison? Like with my own ears? I'm sure it's been said, but it's a new thing for me. Did you hear it with someone else's ears? Probably. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Anyway, it's all the little details. It's like we mentioned, the music playing during that very abrupt cut. It's the blood on the apple and Watts not caring. It's that mug. Just all these little details stitched together to just be utterly horrifying. I love it. <laughs> Stacy, how about you? Well, I'm I'm here to ignore the reality that you guys saw him in the room before they entered um, because I, I feel like Bill is the, the kind of the kind of wonderful, efficient co-worker who would just happen to be out of the room on break when a portal appeared and he stumbled through it and then Cinder entered. <laughs> and everything gonna, is fine. I'm going to go ahead and quote an old, and at this point it is old, it was a thing when I first went to RTX, Achievement Hunter bit uh, pertaining to this room. No way in, no way out. No nice. way in, no way out. <laughs> People were yelling that in lines. This was, I don't even remember what year this was, but that was kind of the siren call for RTX attendees in downtown Austin. Was At just... the same time, like, that was when Ray was still on the team, which was years ago at this point. I told you it was my first RTX. Yeah, it was a long time it ago. It was when they premiered Ruby. <laughs> Don't put that evil on us. <laughs> How is this my fault? This is nostalgia. I was not the only one who sat there to watch that first. No, they showed us the first episode and then part of the second one. And all of us were like, holy shit. So yeah, don't put this on me. We were all in that room. Oh, memories. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, okay. It's not a huge thing. Um, you know, we joke, but if the bill in that Atlas control room is in fact William Scarlatina, Scarlet's dad, that 
is legitimately heartbreaking. <laughs> like, I, I know he was a funny, jokey character in the show and that it was never actually confirmed that it was him. But um, if that's legitimately Velvet's dad, I'm going to feel really sad. <laughs> oh, man, that's such a bummer if, if that's true. Uh, so, yeah, here's hoping Bill made it out <laughs> and made it through and made it through uh, a doorway. Here's hoping. Um, but anyway... Arthur is left in charge. Um, and again, it it makes me wonder again, uh, it makes me question Cinder's sincerity because the one of the last things she says before she leaves him to it is, you deserve this, Arthur. We'll be back. It's like, okay, <laughs> sure. Okay, I totally believe you. Oh, she's either going to let him die in the fall or she is going to murder him herself. She locked the door. I don't think he's... Did she? That's, he, I mean, she she burned the door so that it can't open, and so he's going to fall to his death and get what he wants. Did we see that? Because I must have missed no. that. Oh, no, okay. But she that's your she welded can. that door shut. Yeah, she, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Good well, to know. I actually think that's a huge test of Cinder's actual growth and progression, right? Watts as a character is hugely beneficial if she wants to drag him around, you know, the kingdoms and use him as as a pretty helpful tool however he also slighted her and in her mind that deserves getting welded into a room and falling <laughs> yeah that's that's an excellent point of like yeah i think that's going to be i think that's going to be a real indication of like when when it comes time because atlas is falling when it comes time for arthur to evacuate if he's going to be able to, is going to be a, a very interesting development and assessment of her character growth. Um, and on that note, before we move into, um, before we step through the portal and, and get to that side of things again, I, I do want to point out also that even though things are really coming together for Cinder in the short term, uh, we've had a lot of talk this volume and in previous volumes about the long game versus the short game. And the decision to use Jin in order to put all the pieces in place for her is a very, very smart move for Cinder, and it's very beneficial for the plan that they have going right now. However, it isn't what Salem wanted. Salem wanted to use the lamp in order to find the relic that was supposed to be a beacon that is now kind of MIA and its whereabouts are still unknown. Not that Salem wouldn't have other ways of figuring out where it went um, or whether or not she would be uh, disappointed with the ingenuity that Cinder is displaying, but is this, this short-term game assuming Cinder lives, actually going to hurt her in the long run because it wasn't part of Salem's plan. Let's start with Katie. Oh, yes, absolutely. I, Salem has had it up to here with Cinder screwing things up, and we kind of saw some of that earlier this season. So it'll be interesting if they do manage to... Oh, wait. They don't know that. Unless Oscar passed on to Hazel, that no, they don't know that was the last question. Hmm. 
That's the thing. That is a piece of information that I believe only our protagonists have because it came from Oz himself. That there are two questions left for the century, Ruby asked one of them, and then we, the audience, know that that's the last one and the lamp is inert for the next century. As far as Cinder knows, she used a tool to its fullest extent, and then when all this is done, she's going to show back up to Salem with this lamp that should still work because all you need is the password that's her name, right? And the staff. Like, that is Cinder's best case scenario, and that's what she's going for. That she has two fully functional relics that she's going to present to Salem once Salem reconstitutes and has a good old cup of grim coffee to wake herself up. Uh, yeah, I don't know if Salem knows that, but Cinder definitely didn't. So, I, I'm not sure the question applies in terms of, was this a bad idea for Cinder? Because she didn't have that piece of information. But is Salem going to be beside herself when the lamp doesn't work? And it turns out it's because Cinder used the last question? Yes, absolutely. And I can't wait. Stacy, how about you? Yeah, this is where Salem kind of uh, turning around her opinion of trying to keep Cinder kind of under her wing and letting her finally go free and do what she's always been wanting to do might backfire for her a little bit. We saw Salem struggling and becoming very frustrated with Cinder and then finally giving her the free reign and being like, you know what? You're right. Go. Go get it. Go go cause chaos because that's what you want to do. I don't know if she put the possibility of Cinder using the last question into her equation. And that's a large piece of Salem's plan, at least a large piece to keep her plan easy. I wouldn't be surprised if she has multiple contingency plans, but this makes her work a little bit harder and she's probably not going to be thrilled about it. Now, whether she takes that upon herself, unlikely, for letting Cinder have the free reign, or whether, no, this is Cinder's last straw, and maybe she's not as worth keeping around if she makes her way back to Salem, if she makes it out of the hallway. Yeah, there are a lot of ifs in Lots of ifs. <laughs> involved in this discussion question. <laughs> if. If is good. Right? If gives us possibilities. <laughs> does indeed y'all you want some ifs yeah yeah what if we don't know when the century started Uh, what if yeah what if the century what if the century started uh 99 years 364 days ago that would be amazing so (laughs) so here's here's what i would like i would like a scene where cinder has found out there are no questions left and by the time Salem comes back, she hands it to her and is like, all you, all you got to do is say her name and she'll come out. And <laughs> and it's just like tense, tense, time, time, nothing, stare, close up, close up, close up, music spike. Salem says, Jin, she comes out. All right, I got three. You got three questions because the century <laughs> started again. Because <laughs> like we, we just know that it's three questions per century, right? That's, yeah, I think so. That's like, it, not there necessarily... was no fine print saying like a uh, hundred years after last question use. 
Yeah, so that's the thing, right. is we don't know if it's per 100 years, you get three questions. Or if it's once you have that, once you answer that first question, you've got two questions and 100 years. So one, we don't know that. So I I think there is an opportunity to where, say, like, we have that tense exchange. Or we have it. Salem tries to use it. She can't access Jin. This is broken. F this and throws it. Our heroes get it back and the century starts over and they can use Jin again. I, I imagine something like that. And I wonder also if the wibbly wobbliness of the time in the void area in the, the bridge world, the world between worlds um, will mess with relic time. The sheer amount of rules lawyering in this theory is amazing, and I love it. That's, but that's one of the things of like, this is this is magic. This is a magic show. We are seeing the cards. We're seeing the flourish. We're seeing everything. We're seeing the dance moves, and there's like music playing, and there's a ring and a Big Mac for some reason. But nobody's looking at, <laughs> nobody's looking at the slight. Nobody's looking at what's actually happening what's go what's coming up from the stage oh there's a little bit of puff of air that i saw hit a curtain on the left side there was a change well like that's that's one of the thing where yes i have crazy theories i have 100 percent acknowledged that but there's some stuff that we're not it's it's the old star wars adage certain point of view what do we know? What don't we know? Well, what if it was like this? Well, that would present an interesting dramatic scene. Yada, yada, yada. There, I, I think that there, I don't think, at the very least, this isn't the last time we're going to see Jin before the end of the series. But I think something is going to happen where we're going to see her answer a question a lot sooner than expected. I think that's a I really like that theory. I really like the idea of like the centuries coming to an end very, very quickly. And so Jin's not going to be out of the picture for too long. And all um, I'm saying is like that, that I'm free. I have time. You know, I put writer in my Twitter bio. Like, let's let's make some magic happen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um Okay, uh, and now we're, we've gotten through all the flashback material. So let's hop back to this metaphysical hallway where Cinder has decided to cause problems. And as she's gloating over Ruby, she's like, hey, you're right. I, I did the thing that, I, that w I had never tried before. I actually asked for help. And... As she's doing that and causing this big distraction with her maiden powers, Neo sneaks up on Ruby and tries to attack her. And this is where we get the big, the big thing from this episode. It's Yang jumping in front of Ruby and taking the hit and ultimately tumbling over the side and falling into the abyss. Um... Yeah, I really should have poured myself a drink. Uh, it's and not too late. I'll hold the fort. You get a drink. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, but yeah, we see Yang over go over the side. And despite Blake's best efforts, um, no one is able to catch her. And Yang disappears into the abyss below. 
Wow. Okay. Now we we floated some theories about what could happen if somebody fell in the last episode. But now that it's actually, and about who was going to fall, now that it's actually happened, that doesn't necessarily mean that it won't happen to anybody else. But what was your guys' reaction upon seeing that it was Yang and upon seeing that despite everybody's best efforts, no one was able to save her? Let's go ahead and start with Stacy. First of all, how dare they? This is where you get the little spray bottle and, you know, no, stop being tragic. Stop it. I don't need this. No, bad show. No, bad show. Put it down. Give it back. I honestly didn't really consider Yang as a possibility of someone who would fall. And I think part of it is because I was so hung up on fitting into this fairy tale that we've been fed over the past volume. These little snippets of what happens when someone falls and what kind of a person was set up in that fairy tale. And maybe I just think Yang has been through enough. (laughs) But I also think with all of those experiences, she has experienced tremendous growth and thinking of the girl who fell through the world and we get this dire warning about someone who falls and doesn't learn their lesson and keeps repeating the same mistakes uh, which is partially why I figured it could be Cinder Yang isn't really falling into those patterns before she had some destructive habits and we worked on that and of course, there is always growth to be, you know, she's she's not perfect and amazing now. She's amazing, but she's, no one's perfect. <laughs> There's always room for growth. But I didn't pin Yang as, you know, oh, the character that needs a big transformational growth. I can always be proved wrong, clearly. <laughs> but also it made me look again and realize that I was looking at this fairy tale very very head on you know oh we're playing out the fairy tales we are given uh and stepping back ruby has subverted so many fairy tales and is it weird to say i'm more hopeful that it was yang that fell that there is not only tragedy and pain in our future i think it's fair to say that you have faith in yang to come through this um you know, to come through this ordeal, whatever, whatever lies beyond. I think it, uh, I think that's fair to say. Katie, how about you? Well, it was a shock to begin with. And I mean, regardless of what happened, it was probably going to be a shock no matter who they picked. And the fact that this was how it went down, that it was Yang noticing Neo, Yang of all people who had the hoedown showdown throwdown with her way back in, I want to say volume two, popping in and saving her sister and that it was the fact that her aura was immediately broken and that she was only vaguely conscious like yang is absolutely capable of saving herself from a fall but not when she's half conscious and can't think and that last little bit of blake coming up just barely short is heartbreaking and again All these little moments of perfection stitched together into this tragedy. Just perfect. But to me, 
it makes sense that it would be Yang because of Raven. And I know we have this whole Raven is the world's worst mom, et cetera, et cetera. You only get one because let's be real, she is. But she has that semblance that allows her to go directly to people and open a portal. And I don't know if we've ever seen anyone else come through those portals that isn't her. Like, I do not remember. But it's a possibility. And it's a possibility that wherever Yang is, Raven can get to her. Which would also, I would imagine, allow her to get to all of our other myriad of people who fell. And people who are still yet to fall. Because I don't think we're done with that. So yeah, it makes sense that Yang would be among the people who fall. Because Raven would be able to find her if pressed. Hi, local sad boy here. Have you ever thought, <laughs> have you ever considered that that's not possible because Yang isn't in this reality anymore? Yes, I have. And that's why I'm wondering how much her semblance can bridge and where can she actually go? Would she be able to bridge directly into a vault if there were a person in it instead of just objects? We don't know, but it sure will be interesting to find out. So the sad thing that's going to happen is that they're going to go to Raven and they're going to implore and implore and implore and be like, just be a good mom for once. And she's going to be like, "Ugh, fine. And she's going to try. And nothing's going to happen. And everyone is sad. <laughs> oh, no. I'll take it. Because, you know. I, I, I would at least appreciate them addressing that, hey, maybe the person who can teleport pretty much anywhere as long as there's a people there might be a good way to do this. So I, I'd, I'd be intrigued to, even if they try it and it's like, nah, I can't find her. Or even if Raven's just like, fuck you, she had one. Like, I, I, I would just, I would like to see them address that, even if it ends in tragedy. I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I find it highly likely that that's going to be the first thing that the writers thought of. And what for whatever reason, whether she's in a different dimension or she doesn't exist at this time because she's in another dimension or because of the wibbly wobbliness of all of the time in, in business, like that, I, I feel like we're going to get that payoff of Raven throwing up her arms and being like, uh, <laughs> it's worked before. Just exactly that. Just just the Kanye shrug and the <laughs> the Kanye shrug and the Tim the Toolman Taylor grunt. Give me that from Raven, please. Does does HBO Max own that? Can they use that legally? Like, can Warner Brothers do that? <laughs> Anyone can go in a convincing voice. Ruby has crossed over with a variety of different uh, <laughs> shows and and properties. The the one once we're starting to get low on the list. We're going to, to tool time. We're going to home improvement, baby. <laughs> like they put, they do the thing where they put like Yang's robot finger in a paint machine and they paint a wall and it looks just like her and she comes out of the wall. Sorry, that's way too deep, probably. <laughs> Take it and sprint, my dude. I'm here for it. No, you are you are definitely living up to the writer in your in your Twitter profile because you have painted us a beautiful word picture um, <laughs> of sad sad things. <laughs> I've still got that spray bottle mark, and I'm not afraid to use it. Uh, there is beauty and sadness. Let him have this one. Usually, I'm the one that comes up with the horrifying things that makes everyone really upset. He can have it this week. Katie just called me pretty. Count it. <laughs> Yeah, this is true. Mark is very pretty. Aw, you're both pretty. 
You're all pretty. Damn skippy we Thanks, are. Mom. <laughs> I love all of my co-hosts equally. <laughs> Aside later on looking at Han, I don't care for Katie very much. <laughs> Um, I had to finish the joke (laughs) and I could do it at my own expense (laughs) we are in a state tonight see what you've done to us California (laughs) (laughs) I take it back I love two of my co-hosts equally (laughs) I hate the other one (laughs) I I was right looks at hand I don't care for Katie very much (laughs) hey who called it (laughs) okay all right so (laughs) yeah i i have to concur um now that somebody has fallen through into the void literally anything can happen um she could end up in another vault she could be dead although i don't think the series is gonna go for that um she could end up in the future or the past. Uh, Onwards, I <laughs> Or the future past or space. Um, they're like, literally anything could happen. And even though there are so many parallels um, that, you know, that grim fairy tales in the world of Remnant uh, do a lot to explain about you know, the world building because they're stories born from that culture. Like the grim fairy tales aren't things that actually happened necessarily so much as they are just cultural stories that are meant to teach a lesson or that come from a particular cultural context like our fairy tales do. So whether or not there's any truth to the tale of the girl who fell through the world, um, you know, that that's up in the air or if like the lessons meant to be taken away from that story are the thing that Ozpin intended when he assigned it in, in the required reading, because he makes, uh, he makes all of his students buy the textbook of the fairy tales that he wrote. (laughs) I'm just saying it's a little bit of a racket there. Um, Um, I, I just got a really sad idea. A really happy, really happy, sad idea. So, what if they don't chase after Yang and they move on? Oh. And that's not the sad part. The sad part is when they go to open up the beacon vault to get the crown, they open the door and there's Yang. I Be- actually, I was actually wondering if she ended up in a vault. Because so that, that's, that's a, that I was like, cool. oh, what if, what if she's like a guardian, like, like um, Indiana Jones in the last crusade where she's there to protect like maybe the shade relic. And so maybe she finds herself in a space similar to the, um, the vaults and she goes and she sees this pillar. She sees she's do- this door and she sits down and she waits and that's that's going to be Yang's story like and what depending on how much time passes they she may maybe she maybe she has a single gray streak maybe some sort but it's this thing of being like oh my god i never thought we'd see you again but then a thing of oh god where's the relic something of that something of that nature just just sad just you know what i'm i'm done being sad can the season be over <laughs> <laughs> give it a few days oh. 
given that we're gearing up for a villain's win season because it's just like Beacon again, you know, give it a few days. Um, Mark, you you bring up an excellent point of whether what what if she decides to sit and wait, and what if Raven is in fact the way that you know yet nobody comes to rescue Yang, but what if in you know they try um raven's portal her via her semblance and it doesn't work Uh, but what if something happens because again our 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 villains are on a hot streak (laughs) at the moment what if something happens in the subsequent season and raven is killed and the last person that she thinks of is her daughter yang before she dies and then yang in whatever realm she's in obtains maiden powers yo and then that totally recontextualized the the scene where they finally reach the vault the door opens and out explodes yang full semblance full powers full everything and then just beats the living hell out of whoever opens it <laughs> that would be amazing with like with like a fully orchestrated eye burn behind it oh, <laughs> yes. i want it i want it <laughs> I mean, if whoever opened it happens to be her friends, that would be yet another tragedy. Well, she's but... not going to kill them. She'll beat them <laughs> no. up real bad. <laughs> it could very well be a Gandalf. <laughs> or it could be a Gandalf the White situation where mm. it's like, Yang, yes, that is what they used to call me. It's <laughs> uh, a name I've not heard in a long time. Long time. Because it's not my name. <laughs> Oh man. But yeah, there there's a lot that could happen here. Um regardless, in the meantime, it's devastating for us the audience and for all of our characters. Before we we talk about <laughs> the rest of the how the cast is devastated, I want to talk to you guys really quickly about iTunes. <laughs> Folks, thank you so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate, subscribe, leave a comment. We love hearing from you, and it is one of the best ways to help our podcast reach more listeners. It helps uh, make us more searchable for people looking for Rooster Teeth-related content. It helps get our analytics up, and uh, when that happens, um, we get more eyeballs on us in various uh podcast apps so please it's the it's one of the best ways that you can help us out with all of that we don't have any new ones this week but as always we love giving twitter shout outs to people who interact with us that way and again remember don't forget if you're in an international itunes store you can take a screen cap of your review and tweet it at us at the rooster team because we actually can't see it in our american itunes store if you are from a a member of our international audience so twitter shout outs and I know I'm about to pronounce this incorrectly, and I apologize for that. Um, but we have uh, t- uh, the following Twitter shoutouts to make to MaxUsFox23, T-Bone underscore Doog, Shadow Angel, Danny Costa, Excel Hedge, Stephanie Wickham, MT Midnight, Asimov95, Giga Derek, Chris Half the Battle, 
and tea and vine. Like these guys are absolutely fantastic. We specifically want to thank um, everybody who tweeted at us talking about how excited they were to listen to us talk about this episode. We cannot thank you enough. Uh, we also wanted to give special shout outs to let's underscore shadows and Patrick D's because let's underscore shadows was talking about how much he missed hearing Patrick on our show. And Patrick sent us all of his love and talked about how how many good memories he had being a member of our team. So we just wanted to send our love and say thank you for everything. We love you, Patrick. And also like in a in a sort of connected way, congratulations to the Fan Control Football League, which just finished its first season and the the season one champions, the Wild Aces, which is a team managed by uh, Let's Play family member Greg Miller and Kind of Funny, as well as Barbara Dunkelman, who joined the uh, manager's room like halfway through the season. So her her team, uh, she is part of a managing team or a managing group for a team that won the first championship. So like the the Kevin Bacon stuff just keeps getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, we can't say, again, thank you enough to Patrick for for being a good friend and being a good teammate. And just congratulations again. Uh, You deserve all of the good things. Uh, We also wanted to give a special shout out to kid underscore almost, aka almost a cool kid on Twitter. I've been listening to Ruby Redux whilst revising my math exams. I'm not sure it has been helping me remember the trig identities, but it has definitely made the revisions more interesting. So thank you. (laughs) Um, I can't say thank you enough. I used to listen to, when I was in grad school, I used to listen to um, orchestrations of video game music a lot when I was studying. And I remember taking a quantitative analysis test and I was looking at the problem and trying to figure it out. And in my head, I heard the orchestrated Metal Gear Solid theme. And I was like, oh, it, it, that thing about listening to music while you study, it's its working. That's surely the answer. I was like, well, surely the answers will come to me now that I hear the music in my head, won't they? And then no answers came and I failed the test. <laughs> the only thing that was in my head was the Metal Gear Solid theme. Game over. <laughs> So it's terrible, but I rather love the idea of them sitting down to take the test and just hearing all of us screaming in their head. <laughs> like, we're not helpful, but we love you. Or or I'm hopeful that like as they're uh, finishing up, they're doing the last thing, they get so overheated that they turn into a car. <laughs> all right, mark off the free space in your bingo cards. Uh, we also have a wonderful uh, tweet from uh, underscore X-Man 1994. For this week's episode of Ruby Redux from the Rooster Team, I am very interested in hearing the cast members' thoughts on the utter disregard for OSHA regulations and the consequences it ca- that came from it. Also, Katie screaming the entire episode. <laughs> so what can I say except, ah! <sighs> Okay, that's your limit. <laughs> you, you did it twice this episode. No more. I did it on cue. You're welcome. <laughs> ah, but yes. And, and speaking of OSHA violations, we had a tweet from Cameron Campson, aka CPL Snorlax, on Twitter. 
As a builder slash architect, he should know basic OSHA violations. That being said, I ain't going to try to start shit with him. Talking specifically about Ambrose. <laughs> because Excel Hedge went, fair warning was given. Not, <laughs> not his fault. No one added handrails to the blueprints. <laughs> I just, is that Corporal Snorlax? Is that what that stands for? CPL? I don't know. I feel like that is. <laughs> Certified Hi. Public Leisurist. Ah, uh, yep. Sounds right. I have I no idea. That is 100% against. I was, <laughs> was going to say, I will take your word for it. I have no clue. And finally, another shout out to Cam Griffin, friend of the show, uh, who made, speaking of OSHA violations, um, made Mark a delightful video uh, from uh, the seri Polygon series Unraveled talking about OSHA violations. It is a delight. Um, so thank you so, so much, Cam. Uh, it it lightens up our lives. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Cam. I do feel violated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, be sure <laughs> if you're not already doing so, please follow us on Twitter and interact with us there. As you can see, it's a really good time. We also have a Discord that you can uh Join by clicking the link in the description below. It is a really good time. I love, 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 love so many of the discussions that go on there. It's it's so good. And all of our And if I may. Yeah, go for it. We also recently uh, reworked the entire thing. We've sort of um, changed the theme to our house. Uh, we've also added new discussion topics. So the, the different things that uh, we all talk about uh, at the end of the show, um, whether it's Overwatch League or horror things or uh, Stacey, I want to talk to you. And if you want to start a craft thread, uh, one piece, things of that, like anything that is in the periphery of the stuff that we talk about, we now have discussion topics for. And uh, it's it's really helped sort of straighten out everything that everything in its place, et cetera, et cetera. So it'll be there's a lot more to talk about. There's a lot more adherence to um, uh, spoiler warnings and things like that there's a lot more room for place to talk about a variety of different media so so come on in join the community yeah we did a little house cleaning as hey. it were eh? Eh? <laughs> so funny megan it was so funny <laughs> oh i'm sorry mark what are you sorry for it was it was I, very funny <laughs> I feel I felt bad as soon as I said it, but um, anyway, don't ever apologize for that. When has that ever stopped you? It doesn't. Shame has never been a deterrent. And, and we appreciate you so much for that. Thank you. Um, yes. And also, um, if you if you're looking for other ways to support our podcast, we have a tea public store where you can buy T-shirts of the funny things that we say and cool. Um, We've got an amazing uh, Welcome to Vale design uh, that Mark created for our uh, audio drama series, Welcome to Vale. We've got so many good things, um, so go go check those out. There are sales all the time. Be sure to check those out. And we have a sponsor for this week's episode. As always, this episode and this podcast are sponsored by Fred He Bakes. He does cookies, and guys... 
cookies are really good. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, but cookies are amazing. And we could all really use cookies right now. So if you are in the mood for a really good spice or molasses cookie, you want the brown sugar buddy because they're chewy and they're soft and they're wonderful. And oh my God, you guys, I dream about these cookies. If you like that, but if you miss fall flavors, like I miss fall flavors, they live forever in my heart. Uh, you can get the maple brown sugar buddies, which are the brown sugar buddies with that extra fall flavor hit of maple. And if you are a chocolate person, if you prefer that, go for the big chip buddies. They are chocolate chip cookies. They are huge. They are fluffy. They are full of chocolate and they are amazing. And if you're like me and you want to try a little bit of everything, he does sampler boxes. So you can try a little bit of everything and then get more of your favorites, which if you're like me is everything. So... Everything is made fresh to order, never frozen, in small batches. You cannot find these in stores. You can only find them at fredhebakes.com. That's three words, fredhebakes.com. And use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. fredhebakes.com, coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM. Treat yourself. You deserve it. Again, we can't say thank you enough to everybody who interacts with us, everybody who supports our podcast. You guys are just, you're the absolute best, and we love you. Thank you so, so much. All right, let's get back to the sad stuff. <laughs> um, so as Yang falls, and that's when the battle really starts, and we get Maiden Bowl 2021. Yay! But not at what cost? <laughs> the sad per bowl. The super depressing bowl. Aww. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we get another maiden fight when Penny comes back in. And ultimately, the way things shake out is that Weiss and Penny are taking on Cinder. And Neo and Ruby are squaring off. And there's Blake caught there right there in the middle what's going to happen because there's there's no good choice for Blake here she just lost an extremely important person to her and she's now in I I don't think I've ever seen Ruby do a full telltale (laughs) telltale like choice-based decision where you like full-on telltale walking dead you have to choose do you help ruby do you help penny what what do you decide and that is what blake is living right now so guys i ask you what do you think blake is going to do and what would you choose if you were in her shoes let's go ahead and start with katie the problem is there's no correct choice here because at, at the end of this fight where we leave off, yeah, we have Ruby versus Neo, we have Maiden Bowl, and we have Weiss hanging from one of her glyphs over the abyss and just trying to catch her breath. And there's there's no good decision because if you pick someone and then someone else gets hurt or falls, it, it's a lot of, I should have gone to them. I should have known better. I should have. There's There's no way to win this. There is no way to win this. I think she'll go back to Ruby because, dear God, getting involved in a Maiden Bowl is certainly an option. And when you guys know how I say that. Certainly an option as in, oh, buddy, yeah, you could do that, but why would you? And Weiss is self-sufficient. She, she, she can handle her own self. She got this. 
So I think that she will go back to Ruby for whatever that winds up entailing because Neo is a menace. Stacy, how about you? Oh, yeah, there's no good answer. Uh, there is <laughs> no good option. Uh, ideally, this is when like Blake super levels up and can send out three copies of herself to go do all the things. Um, but that's in a very uh, unrealistic world we live in. That's I, a legit prediction. You know, we can hope for the best, yeah. right? Yeah. A lot of people have gotten level ups for their semblances this volume. And we know that the shadow clone um, thing it is a semblance that someone can achieve because that that's what sun does. Maybe, yeah, maybe Blake takes a page out of his book. Uh, so we, we can hope for the best with that. Uh, I think that likely uh, the mixture of rage towards Neo and the need to protect Ruby will bring her into that fight and they will work together because, yeah, I think Weiss is self-sufficient and you don't want to touch Maiden Bowl. Like, we know our limits. Blake knows her limits. <laughs> There's also a part of me that just sees her leaping off the edge after Yang, uh, after all of their promises not to leave each other alone. Oh, damn. And oh, damn, damn, damn. We don't know what'll happen. I mean, there's no guarantee that that will bring them back together or that will let them navigate whatever is there together. But I don't think it's off the table for Blake, that's for sure. What if she does that? And then um, as she's falling into the abyss, like she 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 doesn't know how long she's falling for. Um, but then she finally winds up on a beach where there's where there's a guy in like a dark hood and there's a girl with blue hair and like <laughs> she realizes that she's been in the she's been falling in the realm of darkness for like 10 years and then somehow Mickey's there and his shirt gets blown off because of canon reasons <laughs> it's very important that he loses yes. that shirt if he doesn't lose the shirt what's the point oh thank you somebody said it come on i take it all back we're all very broken at this point, aren't we? You haven't even heard my prediction yet. <laughs> nope. You want to talk broken. Would... <laughs> so, do, tell, do tell. If Blake shows up where Mickey is, does that make this a game of cat and mouse? Boo. Um, <laughs> no, this is, a game, this is a game of basketball. Where? <laughs> no, no, no. Hold on. This is a game of basketball where our villains know that the... Portal to Vacuo is one way open. So if they throw all of our heroes out the portal, they don't have to deal with them anymore. Ah. So from a uh, strategist point of view, I would look at all of the people. I would isolate and look at the people that we are trying to get rid of. We are trying to get rid of Penny and we are trying to get rid of Ruby. We don't need Blake, I think, or or Weiss for that matter. But the second that Blake runs into whichever battle, she'll probably have a big power-up moment, an epic, here we go, semblance evolution, something like that. And she is going to get knocked into vacuo and away from everything. 
And it's going to be very sad <laughs> because she can't, she can't do anything. She is literally the furthest away from the woman she loves and cannot do anything about it. And all that could have been done to help the situation was if they had a damn conversation about how they felt like, anyway, sorry, that's a different, that's a different thing for a different time. But I, I honestly believe that no matter where Blake lands, when it comes to a fight, they're going to knock her out of the vacuo portal and she's not going to be of any help to anybody. And if anybody does go down into the pit, to try to save Yang, it's going to be Ruby, Weiss, and Nora. There's a thought. That's absolutely a possibility. Because mm-hmm. Blake can also do a lot of good in Vacua with her family. That's that's a really good point. Um, you know, especially, you know, we talked a lot in the previous episode about you know, what kind of welcome can we expect from Vacuo, given that they're not always super friendly towards the other kingdoms or appreciative of um, refugees from other kingdoms, too. So, yeah, that's that's a really good thought of, like, Blake being there to sort of ease that transition. And it's going to be something similar to what we saw or something similar to what we heard with Nora going... I need to figure out who I am, but it's something of instead of Blake figuring out who she is because she's, she's still working on herself as well as the, the couple um, of it just happening where she, she starts to, it, it might get back to that thing where Nora and Ren decide, all right, I figured out who I am. Let's be together. And it could be a thing of, uh, Blake and Yang get together and be like, "All right, we st- we need to talk. <laughs> At the very least, we need to we need to have a damn conversation we, we about need to what put we a want." Label on this immediately, <laughs> exactly, because it's been it's complicated for way too long. Let's talk about this. Um, but yeah, that's that's why I say it's a game of basketball because they are shooting for that vacuo sized hoop. Um, uh, I. I love that. Mark, I got goosebumps when you when you were describing Blake being shoved through the portal to Vacuo. Uh, I just had another thought though of like we we I know we already touched on what what Yang could possibly be experiencing, but what if if you'll join me in the love loft for a second? Son of a if <laughs> always we've been there the whole time. OSHA violations and everything. <laughs> um Mark, you don't have to come up. I know you're handcuffed to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of stuck at my desk. His desk is up here. He's handcuffed to the rail to keep him from falling out of the love loft because of our OSHA violations. <laughs> but in- anyway, um, what if Yang is currently experiencing, um, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie Interstellar, what if... Again, because she's in a place like where time and space are warped. What if Yang uses the power of love? Because as that movie taught us, it's a quantifiable thing <laughs> to uh, to find Blake and leave a message for her in the past or future. <laughs> huh? yeah, That's not what that movie's about, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, have you not seen Interstellar? No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you said spoiler warning, and I was like, whatever. It can't be. Oh. <laughs> I, I also had no idea. <laughs> Am I the only one here who's seen Interstellar? 
I figured yes. it was something like wibbly wobbly with the time stuff, like just from all of the memes. But that specifically is very. Same. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my desk off of the edge and be downstairs. Yes, Matthew McConaughey uses the power of love um, as he's in a realm transcending time and space to send a message to his daughter in the past, <laughs> which is a thing that they experienced earlier in the movie. And using using that, um, he is eventually able to get out of that <laughs> place, sort of that wibbly wobbly. I think time we're spending too space. much time on spoiling <laughs> Interstellar. <laughs> All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so um, back to my original question. I, I think she's going to go for Neo because Neo was the one directly responsible for what happened to Yang. And I actually think it could be very interesting if we see um, if we see basically that same fight between Blake and and neo that we had with yang and neo back in volume two because yet uh blake is currently blinded by anger and sadness um i think that would be very interesting but i also think it would be very interesting because of how far these characters have come for her to be able to keep her cool and working together with ruby being able to overcome and defeat neo um so yeah we'll We'll just have to wait and see. Maybe they don't even need to defeat Neo. Maybe they just need to convince her that Cinder actually lied when she said that it was Ruby's fault. Maybe that's all they have to do, but uh, who knows? Who knows? Well, do we have any final thoughts on... Um, the The only other thing on the, the sort of portal side of things is that on at the other end of the vacua portal... Uh, as everybody is getting evacuated and they're they're experiencing this giant sandstorm, it's not long before Grimm show up and everybody on on who happens to be on that side of the portal is gearing up for a fight. And it's gonna be, yeah, it's probably not gonna be pretty. They're they're right they're right there where all of these civilians are. How is this going to pan out? Is especially because they have no way of being able to call for help. How are things going to shake out? Let's go ahead and start with Mark. Man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you had all the answers, Mark. You have to tell us what's going to happen. I don't have all of the answers about everything. That's silly. When it comes to a fight <laughs> in heavy, heavy quotes, I don't think we're going to get much of a fight per se but i think a, a point of hap like happiness or at least like a positive mark is that the people that we think are still in vacuo are still in vacuo and i know that we've we've talked about that type of a thing before on the show but because we're getting closer and closer i want to leave that sort of ambiguous in case people don't know what i mean and for the people who do know what i mean do you know what I mean? Because um, I think that would be a nice rejoice of like seeing seeing those people show up and and maybe one person in particular like, hey Blake, good to see you again, and she's just crying. Um, yeah, no, it's nothing. It's it's like a moment of haha, and then 
Aw, like it's that's that's what's gonna happen. Like there, I, I that's what I feel like is gonna happen. I feel the second the first person showed up in Vacuo from, or not even then, the second the portal showed up, there was a tick in somebody's brain going, "Hey, something's happening outside of town. We should go check it out." And and I feel like we'll see some of some people that we haven't seen in the show in a while again, or at least I hope so. If we're thinking of the same person, they have been perennially unable to read the room as it is. So yeah, I can see that happening. Of that of th- that particular person for that particular interaction, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, yeah, this is probably not going to go well. Just we have three people versus a lot of bats, and I don't know if anyone's seen season one of The Mandalorian, but yeah, stuff things this is gonna get worse before it gets better we'll see how this goes stacy how about you i don't know i think the sandstorm will die down the sun will come out they can all go get a cup of coffee and be happy (laughs) interesting choice of words but i'm down for it i don't know what you're talking about you are like river in egypt level of denial aren't you (laughs) no idea uh, okay. <laughs> I love it, nope. though. I love that. Nope. <laughs> Look, I think there's a lot of people that could have some very interesting interactions. I think there's one that Katie and Mark are touching on. Um, and I think that's actually exactly the person who Blake could use right now. Yeah. I mean, it's always helpful to have a friend uh, who's who's mm-hmm. there and who's willing to listen. Um and uh, that person happens to be a pretty good friend. Uh, not always great about like giving people a heads up about when he's going and where he's going <laughs> and right, anything right. like that. But generally you know. speaking, he's there for the important stuff. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I really like the idea of um yeah, somebody somehow being aware that all of a sudden a ton of people um showed up or or maybe like a spike in grim activity some way of being able to monitor that and sort of either coming to investigate or straight up coming to the rescue um i think that would be really satisfying especially after like the gut punch (laughs) that was this episode um i think it would be really cathartic to see all those people again but we'll just have to wait and see um okay so Let's switch gears a little bit uh, and head back to Atlas. And uh, some something that's happening as as Watts is using his ability to manipulate um, various things all throughout the kingdom. One of the things he happens to manipulate happens to be taking place in the same place where um, Crow and Robin and Marrow have just apprehended the Aesops, where they let them know, hey, Ironwood's been, um, he's been dispatched. He's not in charge anymore. We've got the staff. Atlas is falling. Stuff is happening. Well, as soon as they sort of get that situation under control, a robot runs in under Watts's control and is set to explode. And thanks to Marrow's quick work, he maybe he manages to save Robin from the explosion, but he gets knocked out in the process, which means all of the Aesops are free to move again. And Harriet makes her escape with the payload and Vine is close behind her. 
And Elm's been Elm's been um disarmed, but Harriet having the payload with the full intention of setting it off per Ironwood's orders is a thing that's still happening, despite the fact that he's no longer in control of the situation. Um, and this is where we have a turn for Vine. What did we think of this interaction between Vine and Harriet? Uh, let's go ahead and start with Stacy. I just don't know what to think about Vine, apparently. Uh, I've been back and <laughs> forth on how he's reacting to things. It's that stoic face, you just can't tell. <laughs> You're not the only one. We've all been going back and forth a little bit. <laughs> I think it was nice to see Vine move past the, these are our orders, we are co-workers, this is what we're doing, this is our duty, and to to be the one to reach in and actually start talking about emotions with Harriet, who very much doesn't want to do that, um, who likes the anger that she's settled into and is comfortable there. So being called out on it and being called out on it by Vine was an interesting approach. Uh, there's that moment where he almost gets through to her. Oh, so close. So close. I was, I was so excited. I was like, oh, we're talking feelings. We're doing it. We're, we're not just a team. Like, they're, they're not just coworkers. They're a team. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Oh and boy. This this felt like so I know we only see Robin there but this feels like this is Elm's approach to dealing with Harriet's emotions right now. <laughs> I can very much see Vine's like, "Yeah, I'm going to follow her. We're going to talk her off the ledge. We are going to be rational and calm about this." And Robin's like, "Yeah, I'm going chasing her." And Elm's just like, "Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, running up and hitting the problem definitely does seem yeah. like Elm's speed. Katie, what about you? This was a good conversation, and honestly, this is a conversation that we really needed. We had a little bit of this with Crow and Robin a few episodes ago, with Crow continuing to go, okay, but what if we just do a murder? And Robin reminding him that he's not the only person at stake here and that there are larger goals. And that's the thing that Crow could be talked down with. Like, yeah, you cared about Clover, but Clover <laughs> Clover made his decisions and now you need to make yours. And when you're making yours, you need to understand that it's not just about him. It's not just about you. It's about a whole lot of people whose lives hang in the balance because the payload of Damocles is up here waiting to go off. This is a parallel conversation to that in that we have a trusted, insofar as trusted goes, friend saying, hey, this is what's going on. You're only looking at this from your point of view, bringing Clover into it. Clover did this. Well, Clover made his choices and Clover wasn't right. I appreciate that we had this parallelism because, again, we also have Harriet and Crow sharing a leaf in the opening uh, in the opening theme. So this was really well done. And honestly, it's a little tragic that Robin intervened. But it's one of those moments of, of course she did. Of course this makes sense. She saw two Aesops who are known for obeying orders, who are under orders to drop the payload if there's any interference, get in the jet with the payload and head towards the surface. Of course, her first thought is going to be, they're going to drop the payload on Mantle, we have to save them. 
So while the audience knows that there was progress being made and that this is the worst possible time for her to intervene, all she knows is two Aesops still loyal to Ironwood, ready to drop the payload. So while this was all incredibly, this was heartbreaking, but it was incredibly well-structured from all sides. Again, I keep saying this, little pieces of perfection stitched together to form a tragedy. Just chef kiss. A mosaic of sadness. (laughs) How about you, Mark? It's hard for me to add anything else because that was all fairly concise. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily have any anything to add other than everything that I've said the past couple of, of episodes. I, I think it's going to take a lot for Harriet to snap out of it, and not not to change subjects, but the fact that Ironwood woke up and was still dead set on completing the mission. I think there's still a chance. I don't. I maybe not, but I think there's a chance of Ironwood sending out one last order and and Harriet either that being the thing that snaps her out of possibly coming to her senses or that being the thing that makes her switch off her communicator and do the right thing. But everybody else, I, I, I agree 100%. Yeah, it was it was a very touching moment or almost touching moment. Um, I think that the the important thing to remember is just how quickly the time frame has been since the end of volume seven. Like literally it's been like, what, two days since Clover died. And this is the first time Harriet actually breaks down and actually cries and lets out that because she's she's been running off of rage this entire time so to back off for a second talking to vine and let the sadness seep in um yeah it is it's very touching and one would hope that something would be able to make her come around but i mean the fact of the matter is is that vine is now hanging (laughs) by a thread because she tried to launch him out of the back of the car um and so he's hanging you know uh off off the back and harriet and crow are fighting while robin's trying to get the thing under control but like watts engages the autopilot so i so that they're they're heading on course to basically destroy Mantle and while while this fight is going on. And like, this is, if Harriet doesn't snap out of it soon, it's not going to end well. Or if she's not the one that goes out of the aircraft next, like this is not going to end well. Um, And it's just a matter of whether or not Crow and Robin will be able to get away in time. So fingers crossed. But Mark, you bring up a great point. Let's talk about Ironwood. <laughs> oh. oh boy. Um so so yeah, we jump back to uh the holding cell where Ironwood and Jacques are being held. Ironwood comes to, and this is the moment where we as the audience go, okay, is he about to see the error of his ways or is he going to double down? And he has a moment with Jacques where Jacques admits that they've both lost at this point. And I start to think, hey, maybe it's possible for Jacques to start thinking about the consequences of his actions. But then Watts, just like he's been interfering with a number of things all over the place, 
he opens up Ironwood's holding cell. And we find out that Ironwood has doubled down. <laughs> there is no turning back. He's gone full Kentucky Fried Chicken. This is a double down. He's committed, and it's awful. <laughs> I wasn't sure where you were going with that. <laughs> Straight to fried chicken hell, evidently. <laughs> ah, that is probably where Jacques ended up, but... Um... <laughs> Yeah, we see him double down, grab his weapon, and murder Jacques before walking out the room. What was your reaction upon seeing the this um no, this character turn? Because I don't think any of us had any love for Jacques. In fact, we all very much hate that man. But to see the the character go like this is a bit of a shock. What did we think of it? Let's go ahead and start with Mark. Uh, I, I wish I could take credit for this. It was somebody in our Discord, but um, I think it was Mary. I think, and if it wasn't, I apologize, but um, a quote from a Disney movie comes to mind, which is, um, well, he ain't getting any debtor. <laughs> and that's that's essentially my thoughts on the matter. It's like, oh, well, we're not getting that. So, but that's also, uh, that should be a, that should be a, like, subconscious lesson of oh we're not gonna see Jacques make up with anybody they have to live with the last thing that they said to him and and I feel like that's gonna be something that's gonna come back in some way shape or form with other characters that may or may not disappear or die or... <laughs> Willow out here like mm, no regrets bye Oh no, he's dead. Oh no, <laughs> tragedy. Jacques, come back. Dude, actually, now that you you say that, more people were like, "Hey, Willow's single now," than being like, "Hey, your husband is dead." Okay, so admittedly, my knee jerk reaction to this because the comedic timing and the John McClane Yippie Kaye one liner were perfect. I laughed, and there's video evidence of this because reaction videos. But I fucking laughed because i thought it was just gonna shatter the force field i did not realize that he had a greek fire cannon and <laughs> i i laughed and then we panned over to the pile of ash on the floor and i went oh jesus he's dead dead oh no <laughs> so it was a bit of a delayed reaction for me i'm not gonna miss him that's that's fine goodbye but I laughed when this first happened because just it was really good comedic writing right up until it really wasn't. Stacy, how about you? You know, you spend weeks talking about how horrible someone is and like talking about all the ways where who would be better off if he was dead or, <laughs> oh, it would be really satisfying to see him go out like this. It's what he deserves, what he deserves. And then this rolls across my screen. I was just looking at the rubble and going, oh. <laughs> oh, they did it. It it happened. Ironwood did that. <laughs> and it goes from being immensely like, oh, well, well, yeah. Yeah, no, he does he still deserved that, probably. That looked brutal. <laughs> so 
the first thing I thought of was all the people who would now have to deal with not being able to rehash conversations with him for his family who, yeah, have to now live with the last things they said to him. And Ironwood took that away too. See, I honestly thought just for a character like Jacques, who married into an incredibly powerful family and poisoned it, who was always grasping for power and always wanted more and always wanted to be that person in the spotlight, in the center, everything is his, he's in charge. For him to go out ignominiously as a footnote to more important characters' character development is perfect for him. Oh, Absolutely. I know. And to go out as just a means to an end to make it look like the entire prison cell block exploded. Just. If if that was even what Ironwood was going for, I think he honestly, was just annoyed. Maybe. <laughs> woke up and chose violence. You know what? Honestly, literally. maybe. I'm going to try to justify it for him a little bit. But honestly, I think you're right. I think it was just violence. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I yeah I I have to concur with um, everybody else's sentiment. I don't miss Jacques. It is it it like what hell of a way to go. But <laughs> the 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 thing that really impacts us is how how his children are going to react to it. I don't I I don't think it's going to take Willow long to bounce back because she was already prepared for like worst case scenarios. And that's why she had the cameras installed. And um, as we saw earlier this season, she has an inner strength. I think that a lot of people underestimate. Um, So I think it, I don't think it's going to take long for her to bounce back. Um, But like Whitley and winter and Weiss um, Weiss in particular, who actually did decide, Hey, we need to make sure that like, he's a terrible person, but we need to make sure that dad doesn't die. Uh, only to have somebody turn around and murder him in cold blood. Like that's going to be a hard thing for them to wrestle with. Um, And yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a good indicator for, um, you know, that we should keep in, in the back of our mind. Not every bad person in this series deserves a redemption arc. You know, sometimes (laughs) it's not going to happen all the time. Um, And there are going to be a lot of characters where, you know, you need to think about how you need to think about your, their actions, because there's, we talk about a lot of characters who are kind of walking that razor's edge about which way they could turn one way or another, whether or not they could turn it around. And for some people, there is no redemption because they didn't get the chance and, you know, or specifically they turned down every chance they got. They continued to choose to be bad people. And uh, you're not always going to get that second chance. I mean, we got that with Adam. Goodbye, Earl Taurus, too. There's, you don't always need to redeem your villains. Sometimes you just need to remove them. (laughs) So it's interesting point you bring up too, in terms of bringing up Adam where right, rightfully so everything that happened justified, et cetera. And it was done by two, two of our heroes. And then here's another character in Jacques Schnee of one that causes harm both emotionally 
and economically and uh, on a governmental level, all sorts of problems for our heroes, the series, the world. And he's taken out by the new, by a, a more, like, it's hard to not say evil at this point. Like this, this new evil villain you can, that we that we have. You can say in, evil. I think. I think. Yeah. I think we all agree. Like okay. even even yeah. if it's something that you could quote blame on a semblance, he's still doing it. He's still responsible for all of his actions and doing it with his whole heart and brain. If he only had one, but um, <laughs> it it was um, it's it's interesting to to consider. I think I think that's why there might be some reticence of oh he did it because like th- there could also be that character fulfillment of seeing seeing winter like come to terms with him or or like how how with like there's there's a joke comic going around of um ironwood saying winter i've already killed jacques and her going don't try to get on my good side now like but <laughs> On, like it, on the on the serious turn of that, I think when she finds out, she's going to be devastated because sure she was like I'll kill you if I want to, but there's still that there's still that bit of I I never had the chance and and that's what I think everybody is going to f- be feeling and may I say I'm really missing Ruby Chibi because I would love to see a segment where Kali takes Winter or, or Willow out on the town just yes, as like please. Wing Woman number one. Like if that's if that's a light novel or a manga that we get, like something that seems like the best the best plan. Oh my gosh. The kids try to play matchmaker and try to get Ty uh Ty Yang to go on a date with Willow oh, Shee. I don't. I well, wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't that, match that them up. Fits. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because of <laughs> because of well, shippy stuff. Well, I mean, also because of the type of person Tai Yang has been when it comes to relationships. Oh, fair. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking he's he's a widower. She's a widow. That's really pigeonholing them. <laughs> You're right. That's that. I'd rather. I'd rather. I'd be. It'd be Chibi and them going out on the town like in clubs and seeing Willow try to adjust to light like club life in vacuo. I just want to see Willow and Robin be friends. Make Willow part of the Happy Huntresses. Aww. Just yeah. sign me up. I'm in. Let's go. Okay. Yes. Better. Better idea than kids actively trying to play matchmaker. Uh, <laughs> speed dating. Somebody signed oh, no. Willow for speed dating. <laughs> That's... And we cycle through a bunch of different singles. You know, I want to see that too. Yes. Yes, I would like oh. to see this. Please Ooh. put it on my screen. Mm. <laughs> I would like right. it. Hire we'll all of us. <laughs> uh, to just spitball and throw things up on the whiteboard? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but on, on that note, <laughs> as much as we, we crave to have Ruby Chibi back to ease the pain a little bit, uh, we do, we do have that final beat to talk about. So Ironwood making his way to the vault 
Winter is waiting to hear from everybody, but there's no communication, so she hasn't gotten any updates when he attacks her with the same gun that he used to incinerate her father like five minutes ago. And he he basically says, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get the staff back because Atlas is my responsibility. I'm giving you one last order. Step aside. And Winter, in a fucking badass move, uh, says, I have never once tried, like, turned away from the enemies of this kingdom, and I am not about to start now. And they're about to fight. And Ironwood sheds a little tear. He sheds a little tear. So he still has a heart in there somewhere, but he's made his choices. He's made his bed. Uh, so how is this going to shake out when we see this this fight, Ironwood versus Winter? What do we think is going to happen? Let's start with Katie. I, I keep coming back to, and I think it was the alien versus predator tagline, no matter who wins, we lose. Like, yikes. I am massively worried about this Greek fire cannon. I don't know how he made it, aside from putting guns in it, and suddenly it's insane. But yeah, just this is going to be a painful fight. And my bet is on winter to win it because they're down at the vault and we know that there's a hole in the bottom of the vault and we know that things are falling and the payload may or may not come off and blow uh, blow up and um what i'm going for here is we're looking at a disney villain death for ironwood falling from a high place or going down with the ship stacy how about you there's only pain here (laughs) there's only pain here there's only pain here. Yeah, however this fight goes, it's not pretty. It's not going to be fun for anyone involved. Winter is super badass, and I'm very glad she got her super badass moment. And now I am very scared. I would like to hope that she bests Ironwood, and this is this is the end for him. I think it would it would fit. Atlas Falls, Ironwood Falls. However, should he persevere, which is a door I will leave open, I don't know that he would outright kill Winter. And I think that makes it worse. And yeah. I don't want to see that either. <laughs> it, it makes his character downfall like this whole his whole character arc is a tragedy and that like that's not to say that it's bad it it is excellent character writing but it is heart-wrenching to have to (laughs) to have to sit through (sighs) mark how about you i see a couple of terrifying things um all of this i see terrible things um (laughs) everything Everything that, that y'all are saying, I, I can totally agree with and see. I wonder if Weiss is going to go and check up on her because those doors are two ways and she can go back and, and take a peek and maybe it will be fi- the two of them finding out that he killed Jock. And and that's really dramatic and very anime-y. But then the two of them work together to take him down. Um, something else that, that I would see would be both of them going down with the ship that neither of them are going to stop until un- until neither of them are going to stop. And 
uh, as a result of that, it's we won't know if Winter survived or not, um, or or if James survived to that end. That Winter is just going to possibly glyph her way into keeping Ironwood uh, grounded until the portal goes away, and then that might be the last we see of Winter for a while or through the show. Or I I like this. I like this idea. I like this. I forgive the or we're going with yes. And um, we still don't have confirmation as to where Maria and Pietro are. So winter manages all of this survives and who shows up at the rubble in a ship, but Maria and Pietro going, Hey, need a lift. We're going to vacuo. <laughs> Have you seen my daughter? <laughs> Schrodinger's maiden. <laughs> yeah. I that... also like. There's also okay. the chance of there being a a moment similar to seeing Penny seeing herself, and um, like I know that that tear was probably the last bit of humanity escaping violently out of James but also what if what if we start to dismember and he starts to go full full automaton sort of a thing of like that's I think like a a major stretch but I think a somebody sacrificing the machine part of there to become human versus somebody um sacrificing the human part of them to become more machine i figure some sort of reference to that would make sense yeah that would honestly it would like if maria and pietro were to show up it would be incredible to see um ironwood's cybernetic parts hacked in the same way that watts was able to hack into oh what if watts hacks him I I mean he'd do it <laughs> if he has the capability of doing it he'd do it too with glee. I'd, yeah, that's one that I don't think is going to happen. Just because we saw that he needed part of Penny, and the parts of Penny were all networked in order to be able to hack her. So unless he's got part of Ironwood lying around somewhere, and oh boy, that went places. <laughs> We're at the two-hour mark. There's a reason I'm tired. He's got nothing but time. Uh, no, he doesn't. The place is falling. <laughs> I mean, arguably. Arguably, the place people. is falling? To, to some people. Look, he's in his happy Gravity place. Gravity would can't disagree. Take that. But he's got, he's got control of the... He's got control of everything. So while it is in while there is gravity dust and there's only a finite amount of gravity dust, he could probably re like redistribute how much of it is being used at a time. I don't, you know, colloquially speaking, he's got nothing but time. He has nothing else to worry about except for the plan. And he's probably too curious sitting in front of that computer to start digging. Yeah. Yeah. I have a thought. I have a thought. I have a thought. <laughs> so, uh, Winter Winter manages to make her escape, whether whether or not that's with uh, Marie and Pietro, uh, or whether or not 
that's through a portal up, up in the air. Could go either way. But James is left on Atlas as it's falling. And simultaneously, you know, Watts looks at his watch and goes, okay, it's probably time for me to hit the old dusty trail, uh, only to find out you know, to bring back a, a, a theory from earlier in the episode that Cinder has barred the door or welded it shut. Something along those lines. He's trapped. And so he, using all of his mental faculties, does everything in his power to slow the descent of Atlas so that it doesn't, it doesn't land gracefully, but it's not cataclysmic when it hits the ground. And he goes, ha ha, I did it. My genius has prevailed. Only for the payload that Harriet armed just a few minutes ago to go off because it escaped his notice with the autopilot that he set earlier. And that takes out him, whatever's left of Mantle and Atlas, and Ironwood all at once. Crow, Robin, uh, rest of the Aesop's question mark, question mark, question mark. I hope not, but like, how great would that be if that's what took out both Watts and Ironwood at the same time? I'm in. Yeah. I like it. Poetic <laughs> oh. justice. <laughs> I think that's the main thing of like, if we can just figure out a way to get all of our character, the all of our guys out <laughs> before things completely fall apart, that would be stupendous. Um, but yeah, I, I think all in all, this was a really phenomenal episode. Um, yeah, definitely one of the most tense episodes in Ruby history. Lot, lot happened, and I can't wait to see how it all comes together in the finale this coming week. Do we have any final thoughts on this week's episodes? Let's start with Mark. So the only other thing I wanted to mention, um, like there's there's this theory going around that this could lead to like a Wonderland scenario or or whatever, and. Um, that just got me thinking, um, and this is just more sor- sort of a comment, but op- open to discussion, but it has no necessarily any barring to this, um, of like, what if the space between worlds, the world between worlds opens to the first, the very first world that the gods were created on. So like, we know that Salem destroyed the last planet and now we have Remnant. But what if there were other planets before that? And what if this space is somehow tied to that? That has no barring on anything that we talked about. But I had that thought this week. I like it. I like I I like I like those instincts. <laughs> Follow that. I love it. Stacy, how about you? I feel like the rest of this week is just going to be filled with chasing all of the theories and all of the ideas because we know so little at this point we it's the unknown we know nothing we have bits and pieces of stories that maybe we can piece together and hope that we can come up with a passable theory but that's it so (laughs) i'm so excited to see where things go and to get this next step of world building so i'm gonna sit here with my theories and my arm full of fears Yeah, yeah, there's, it's going to be heavy duty, Doc. Katie, how about you? Rule of threes. <gasps> <No>. Scream. <laughs> Decided to have mercy on Mark there. 
Uh, yeah, I think that we're going to, I'm just going to pin this one on the board there. I think that we are going to get a post credit scene of where Yang ended up. But it's just going to be a little baby post credits blip at the end of next episode. And that's it. I think that's the most we can hope for. Uh, yeah. 15 fucking fears and all of them Ruby. Let's go. Yeah. The wait to Saturday is going to be intense. Um, and on that note, please, when the episode drops, please don't tweet spoilers at people. Not everybody gets the chance to watch all at once. Um, so please be considerate to people when, uh, when tweeting. Uh, anyway, I think... I think we've touched on just about everything we wanted to touch on. Um, so I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Mark, where can people go? If they want to keep up with you. You can find me on Twitter at Mark Bidonica, also on Twitch and Instagram. Um, there, I'm, I'm working on a new show with friends of the show, Molly Flood, Al McClelland, and Caden Jensen. Um, we are creating, we are creating like it's a new concept. Um, we're, we've been working on a one, pa- one piece podcast for the past couple of, oh God, I think it's been over a month at this point. And we're going to be dropping the name of the show soon. And with that will come the entire sort of um, oeuvre, the entire feeling, the entire sort of concept by the show alone by the show title alone you will understand exactly what this show like the entire context of how the show will take place and that's why we haven't revealed it yet also we have graphics and we wanted to make sure that we can get it across a variety of social medias but if you want if you want to if you listen if you watch one piece if you read one piece whether you've fallen off we are starting from the beginning so just make sure to follow me on twitter at mark b donica and right now you can follow p and triple d on twitter that's where molly and i had our um kingdom hearts podcast and that's where we are releasing information about this new show it is taking everything in me to not say it i'm i am looking at the art right now and it's so stupid and i (laughs) i i cannot I cannot wait. It's going to be so silly, but but just make sure to follow me on all of those platforms and join us on Discord because uh, One Piece is one of the new threads that we added. So if you want to talk about that, as well as Ruby, Rooster Teeth, all that stuff, join us on Discord. And that's also a place where you can hear about all of our current projects. Stacy, I'm Stacy Shuttleworth. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stacy Shuttles. I have been collecting various beads and charms and findings to continue my Hades inspired series of jewelry. And I just finished re uh, doing all of my jewelry boxes. And let me tell you, there's a lot of things I will be chronicling as we uh, go along with that. And uh, sounds like I'm getting my own channel on a discord to talk about crafting stuff. So we hey, can let's scream. go. We can scream about jewelry, making things there while we flounder through it. will be a lot of fun. <laughs> Yay! Katie? Stacy, I require you to ping me on that channel every time you post a photo. I want to see all of them. <laughs> yes, I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias and on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like reaction videos to these episodes and other things, they live on that YouTube channel. I am also a co-host of a podcast called On The Point. It is an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast. We're on hiatus because League is on hiatus, but they're coming back on April 16th and uh, we've planned to do the same and the off season has been bug nuts. So yeah, 
join the Discord if you want to see me in the Overwatch League channel yelling my face off about various and sundry things. And I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I have a lost I, I don't know what accent I was going with there, but I have a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co-host Will Link loves Lost, and I don't, and we talk about it. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where Katie and I talk about horror things, so go check those out. It's a really good time, and be sure to follow the whole team at the Rooster Team. Uh, join our Discord support us on tea public all that jazz and support our sponsor fred he's a great guy and does great work and finally we have one more announcement before we wrap up for the night as always we end with the important things we are still in the middle of a pandemic so wear a mask anytime you go outside doesn't matter where you're going doesn't matter how long you plan on being outside wear a mask and if and when you are eligible and able get vaccinated the end is in sight you guys but you wear a mask and you get vaccinated because it keeps you safe and it keeps other people safe. And it's just basic human compassion, people. And while we're talking about basic human compassion, support your essential workers. They don't get the choice to work from home. And they are out here dealing with people who don't always put basic human compassion as a priority. So be kind, be patient. This also goes for the post office, which is still suffering from shenanigans. Be patient with them as well. Buy stamps, etc. Just be chill, you guys. Black Lives Matter, Black LGBTQIA Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, AAPI Lives Matter. This has not changed. This will not change. Know it, learn it, love it, practice it. Thank you for voting. Make sure you vote in the local elections that you are eligible to vote for, even if you think it's stuff that doesn't affect you, like, say, the school board. Vote in your local elections because the change you want to see is much easier to enact at a local level, and then that actually trickles up. So vote in your local elections, get involved, let your representatives know what you think. Talk to them, give them feedback. If you like what they're doing, positive reinforcement is great. If you don't like what they're doing, tell them what you want them to do instead. Be polite, be respectful. Even if your representatives aren't great people, you catch more flies with honey. And if you're not a phone call person, text, uh, email, fax if you are a fax person. All of those are equally valid. Contact your representatives. They represent you so they should know what you want. Yeah, just basic human compassion, everyone. Wear a mask, get vaccinated, take care of each other because that is the only way we're going to get through this. And remember that we love you. Thank you all so, so much for listening. This has been Ruby Redux, and now it's time to say goodbye.